When you think about business competition, where are you focused? Your town, your state, across the country? You need to be concerned with competitors around the world. Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Today, you'll hear about the mega trends in global business and how they affect your organization, as well as explore issues, solutions, and some amazing facts about business worldwide. Now, here is your host, Mahesh Joshi. Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. I have with me uh, G.R. Klein, our guest, and we are discussing the topic, is Ukraine war rebooting globalization? Definitely the war in Ukraine has suddenly changed the quantum of geopolitical risk. The firms will need to respond to the shock by reassessing security-related risks and changes in the structure of supply chains. Since the capital is in place, that's a good news. The capital is in place and wage differentials across the countries still exist. It is possible to absorb the shock and create a gradual shift or a change. It will probably affect different product lines or categories or sectors differently. The whole process, however, may not be able to drive a reversal of globalization. That possibly can only happen if it is supported by pronounced government interventions. The war in Ukraine exposes the risks associated with the interconnected nature of global trade. As we all know, the global trade got so, so interconnected, especially with the use of technology, the information technology, connectivity, internet, made it so much possible. Manufacturers' reliance on foreign suppliers for components or needs of production will need and need to rethink that what is leading to the disruption of the production, which definitely triggers long-term changes in the structure of global value chains. We can look at it similar to the impact of COVID-19. It also triggers a discussion on reshoring or nearshoring. That was not very far away. It was like less than a year ago, everybody was talking about reshoring and nearshoring. It will keep creating enough discussions whether these shocks will lead to the end of globalization. The geopolitical risks do not change the cost differentials between countries, which will make reshoring to high-cost countries unlikely. Relocating production is also expensive. Why? Because you have a sunk cost of building new infrastructure. There's a cost to search and for establishing new relationships in different countries. The world economy will be hurt by the reshaping of global value chains, definitely. And these reshaping is induced by higher geopolitical risk. And that's the outcome of this Ukraine war. But look at it this way. Some countries will gain and others will lose. As firms adjust their production and trade structure to the new environment of economic efficiency, they may look for new suppliers. They may look for them in developing countries, which provide a latent comparative advantage with the lower geopolitical risk. Move from one developing country, which has competitive advantage as well as geopolitical risk, to a place which has a comparative advantage on cost, but has a lower geopolitical risk. Makes perfect sense. While the high-risk economies 
and the global economy as a whole are worse off in a more uncertain world. Because if these things keep happening, these disruption, it's a more uncertain world. And everybody is suffering there. Nobody's aloft there. The new suppliers, but however, in this case, would benefit from the increased investment in trade opportunities. This may cause some countries to develop faster, which have less geopolitical risk, and they have some comparative advantage. <clears throat> in this context, the real risk comes from measures that aim at reshoring, nearshoring, or fragmenting the trade system. In a, such a situation, the global policies, which are driven by governments, are very important. Government policies should focus on lowering tensions and strengthening global value chains to avoid future disruptions. I have with me today to discuss Mr. J.R. Klein, who is an Oxford published author, uh, who has published three books on global business. He's a thinker and an artist. He has more than four decades of experience and expertise in organizational structure, cultural sensitivity, pragmatic leadership, planning, and social impact. Hi, JR. Hi, Mahesh. Well, JR, uh, we have a very important subject as we are discussing today, which is, uh, is the situation in Russia and Ukraine resetting, or rather, I'll use the word rebooting, globalization. And we have written a lot about globalization. We have talked a lot in the past. Uh, but immediately after COVID, suddenly uh, the Russia-Ukraine war, it's too much of demand on the global society that which way the whole world is going and what is happening to the globalization. Yeah, this is um, this is an interesting time, isn't it? Yes. Um, it, it strikes me inside of this that um, uh, some of the uh, the narrative I hear around the idea that globalization is ended, that uh, we're, we're uh, we're out of that business. The world is not uh, going to be global anymore. Uh, doesn't carry with it a great deal of validity because of of what I can see. You know, what do I see? I see. I still see. I still see a very interconnected world. I see the fact that I can sit here in my uh, in my office and I can order out a product from. Uh, from Australia, from uh, uh, from India, from Africa, from uh, basically almost anywhere in the world, I can uh, go online and not just have a conversation with with uh, Mahesh, my friend, uh, but I can have a conversation with almost anybody anywhere in the world. And I would I would suggest that globalization has become almost organic right, right. Uh, you know we have people moving all over the world e even even in spite of uh, the, the the critical nature of the the pandemic uh before the pandemic uh and theoretically inside the pandemic uh, i don't know about you but my interaction with people around the world 
actually became more intense during that time uh, than, than uh, dissipated in any way. And now we see the travel beginning to start again. We have, we have people visiting other countries. We have cruises. We have travel. We have business trips. We have sharing of cuisine, sharing of culture, sharing of, of, of uh, uh, languages and, and, and customs all over the world. And you can see how organically this idea of globalization, this, this sort of organic mix of cultures is happening. And to, be, to say that, that it's not, is just sort of denying the existence of reality, and right. and and so and so what what the question then for me becomes in a in a world that is indeed still very uh, globalized, uh, we see a, a, a something that becomes very emblematic of this whole interactive uh, character. And that is, first of all, that we had a pandemic. And that pandemic forced us into a future that we'd been talking about for a long time, for a long time. Mm -hmm. We talked about how the preponderance of technology would affect the way that um, work happens, affect the character of the workforce, or affect uh, affect the character of the uh, the workers, uh, affect employers, and, and affect old business models, and uh, you know all kinds of speculations that we had on that happened basically overnight. And so, the idea that that um, uh, this should be a surprise to anyone. Uh, um, requires some uh, basic rethinking. And so you, you look at what happened in that crisis, and then following on the heels of that crisis, we see uh, another uh, aggressive crisis that happens. Uh, Russia makes a decision uh, based upon uh, of, of the power dynamics that are very evident within that particular culture uh, and the and the um, I would say I'll call them power dynamics that were in play and existence outside of that culture mm -hmm. that almost made this invasion seem to be inevitable you know and and so what we get then is sort of the the sum of all players <laughs> happening in 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 this uh, in this sort of global reboot that we're thinking about. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we talked about that we thought was going to begin to happen is that uh, globalization, that sort of definition of globalization as being an interconnection of uh, of uh, all players, uh, economic players from around the world. And it would more than likely be, I, I don't want to say governed. Uh, governed is, is, 
is too harsh a word, but uh, would be overseen by uh, specific superpowers uh, from around the world. You know, you have the United States, uh, you had um, Great Britain, you have uh, Japan, uh, and in, in a way, uh, uh, China. And, mm -hmm. and, and they would be the ones that would sort of oversee, pol police might be a good word, uh, 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 the nations that were all part of this big global community. Uh, what we, what we, in our conversations, Mahesh uh, began to think of as, as uh, uh, an internal change that was becoming evident in that definition was that there's a disappearance in 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 superpowers. Mm -hmm. well, well, what does it mean to be a superpower? Well, that means that somebody's got a whole bunch of money and has a political agenda that is 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 fairly external in 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 makeup. You think about you think about your uh, your reputation, your influence, your uh, your effectiveness, uh, your economic uh, uh, impact, and 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 uh, uh, actions and characters that that happens with other countries all the way around the world. Well, what we've seen happen is that nobody wants to do that anymore. And 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 in addition to that, not very many countries can afford to do with it anymore, mm -hmm. because it because it just simply takes a lot of money, a lot of political will, and a lot of um, sort of I would say domestic domestic support in those in those countries in order to play that role. And quite honestly, uh, again, I'm moving from observation to opinion here. Uh, quite honestly, it, it seems to me that uh, the only the only player that is that has some residual of uh, the the actor, the participant of a superpower is the United States, and and on top of that. We, if we listen to our political narrative in the United States, anybody else does, I think you'll find probably confirmation from all over the world. We're we're losing our appetite uh, to to play this role, and and so and so, what happens when there are no willing policemen to be able to affect what happens? So I bring uh, Ukraine and put it back on the table. We see a very interesting thing that happens. Now, remember what happened uh, working up to Ukraine. We, we had, this isn't the first time that this has happened. You know, this happened um, uh, 70 years ago, uh, plus, uh, where we had uh, another, um, what I would call uh, a, a, aggressive political power, uh, that did the same thing in Europe, and and it, it 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 just as just as in today's world, 
it took the rest of the nations of the world some time to come with to grips with that you know right. uh, yeah and and you can I, you can affirm this you know there there were there were nations that wanted to sit at the bargaining table with uh, with i'm referring to to uh, to hitler's germany mm-hmm. and i make i'm very specific i want to say hitler's germany because mm-hmm. they, because it's it's much much different mm-hmm. than 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 our Germany, okay, and and you you saw nations who were very uh, who, who were afraid, very reticent. It, would, it, took, it took a long time to pull together an effort that came up against him, and 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 here we are, 70, 75, uh, 70 years later, uh, uh, witnessing the beginning of this. Uh, in Crimea, and you'll help me. I think Crimea was probably what six or seven years ago. Right. My my uh, my uh, my historical memory it fails me right now. But I asked the question: What 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 happened in in Crimea? Mm-hmm. Basically, Russia Russia did sort of a a movie trailer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what is what is going to happen yeah if, that was way back 2014 you're right yeah if, if what is going to happen if we go in and do this is what is going to be the 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 reaction by the rest of the world and the reaction by the rest of the world was basically shame on you and mm-hmm. and and not much else so we, in a way, as as a global community, gave them a sort of a, if not a carte blanche, uh, a very, a, a very um, clear message uh, that that kind of a, a strategy, that kind of aggressive strategy, could be successful. Yes, uh, and it it gives a sign. Uh, that uh, the the aggressor can take it as no reaction to that. So you can test it, you can see it, how it works. Okay, there are some sanctions, but can you survive with sanctions? You 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 reformat your own country to manage with that, and you build new political alliances with other countries and get ready for the new one. I like uh, the way you have articulated, Jar. This is excellent. Unfortunately, we are. Uh, uh, going to continue this discussion in our segment two. We'll take a quick short break, and after that, we'll continue our discussion on this very interesting subject. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi, 
Order today at mkjgb.com. Trends in global business are changing all the time. It used to only be worrying about your competitor across the street, but now that competitor may be across the world. On Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business, plus issues and solutions that business leaders face today. Each show is guaranteed to teach you something that you didn't know before about global business. Listen live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice America Business Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi and I have with me, J.R. Klein. And uh, we are having discussion on is Ukraine war rebooting globalization? Uh, thank you, JR. A very enlightening uh, a word from you in the first segment uh, on uh, how the pilot of this Russia-Ukraine conflict was played out in 2014 in Crimea and how the years of preparation, probably, if you can call it, and testing of uh, the global powers patience in other locations, especially, um, I would say, uh, the superpower United States of America, which takes care of mostly or almost everybody in NATO. Let's continue our discussion on your thought process, what you were talking about. Okay, so so I, I, I was in the process of sort of framing this idea um, of how, how a crisis affects this idea of globalization. And so Russia, as they moved into the Crimea um, in in 2014, uh, was testing the waters. And so here we are in in a a half a decade later or more. And so uh, they're beginning to see, and I'm sure, beginning to pay attention to what has begun to happen to uh, uh, the, the global narrative. And if you, if you pay attention to the global narrative over the last uh, basically 10 years, you begin to see that it has become, number one, um, much more nationalistic. Uh, number two, uh, much more domestic and internal. Uh, number three, um, much more uh, politically. Uh, I'm trying looking for a good word here. Not not separated, uh, but um, uh, politics has has sort of allowed countries to drift apart. Uh, I, I think of uh, leaders in, 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 in countries. I think of the U.S. leader, last administration, uh, President Trump. Uh, 
his narrative was not one of inclusion. Uh, the narrative out of that administration was was very much um, uh, it, it's all for us uh, um, and none for you, uh, pretty much. But then we that wasn't the only place. You begin to hear other narratives that were somewhat like that in a lot of other countries. It, it doesn't take a scholar to just sort of look at the narratives and the electoral processes in many countries around the world that have begun to parrot the same national narrative. Uh, you know, uh, in 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 uh, uh, you, you you heard it in Britain, uh, you heard it in Austria, in Germany, uh, you heard it in India, you heard it in in uh, in many other areas uh, around the world. And and what that did is not make globalization disappeared, but it began to sort of loosen the joints. Mm -hmm. I don't think that anybody anybody ever came to a, dr a drastic, dramatic conclusion, at least I can't imagine that they would, that this was going to be the end of globalization because technology has has grabbed us by the tail or maybe we have grabbed it by the tail mm -hmm. and and it has sort of cemented this idea that uh we're interconnected there's 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 no way around it and so what you began to see is an opportunity and russia took it the opportunity was that God, we can we can move into a neighbor state we can call it something that it isn't necessarily that it isn't necessarily is does that make a sense uh and and we can we can rationalize to our citizens that this is a necessary move now none of us i think can actually tell whether they were successful at that but that political system does not rely as much on uh it's it's uh, citizenry as as others might but then what you got is you got the uh, the troops coming into ukraine you began to see the reaction to that something happened that i don't think russia expected to happen um ukraine stand up, stood up on its back legs and began to fight back and and doing that we began to see something very interesting happen uh, we, we a long time ago, as I mentioned, I think in the first segment, uh, uh, Mahesh, you and I uh, talked about, thought about, and actually did some writing on uh, the idea of what that changed globalization would look like. Mm -hmm. And our expectations, there was probably be more sort of regional and focused. There would be larger economic, probably trading blocks that would go together, you know, uh, we looked at uh, an Eastern trading block. You, you looked at, you looked at there. Uh, you know, there's a burgeoning trading block that's coming out of, of Southern Africa. We looked at Southeast Asia. Uh, we looked at uh, at NATO, for example. Uh, those sort of common interest countries that would come together. What this what this Ukrainian this Ukrainian crisis did, I believe is began to speed up that process so when we look what has happened you know what has happened to nato since this began uh we've got a bunch of countries uh that are in that nato area who are applying for membership 
and, and, and NATO is, is is sort of changing their uh, changing their process to sort of expedite uh, um, these countries. I look at Finland, Finland, uh, and and others that are that are petitioning to get in. But we see beginning to see the development of that. We we can call it a a, a security block or a um, uh, or a, a geopolitical block. But in in a, in in effect, it's it it's whether we want it to be or not. It's an economic block. Oh. And and yeah, we've got the we've got the European Union, we've got uh, Britain that is sort of out there trying to make up its mind, but the reality is is what the crisis did is began to change the way people began to think about uh, uh, who they are and what they're doing. Okay, and so I and I think that is something that is indicative of a lot of different areas in the world one of the one of the the interesting research that that we've done recently is based upon um, emerging economies uh, and again we we spent some uh, some good time in our in our global business and an age of transformation, a, a good deal of time talking about the emergence of these economic blocks, common, commonalities within the structure of population and geopolitics and everything. But uh, these kinds of crises have a tendency to, to uh, exacerbate, uh, to uh, speed up uh, those processes. And I think we're beginning to see that. Uh, we're beginning to see uh, Russia and China grow closer together. Uh, we're beginning to see how players around the world are trying to figure out where to fit. You know, I'll I'll, I'll just give you, uh, you know, again, this is my opinion. I, I give you the example of Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, uh -huh. uh, and how they're they're trying to fit into, you know, uh, uh, Biden, uh, President Biden goes over there and and. Uh, and uh, and visits them. Uh, they're they're uh, they're making inroads with uh, with Russia, and, and where they fall, we don't know. But that whole episode, or this whole episode, and what we've seen earlier, have actually even changed some of the uh, some of the the dynamics uh, in different places look at the middle east for example you look at israel for example israel has spent uh, 70 years uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, guarding itself <laughs> and and at this point it's beginning to see some some new potential uh, allies in this region and i think it's all a part of this whole idea of if, if we're going to make if we're going to be be viable if we're going to remain relevant in inside of this new rebooted globalization we're going to have to understand who are our i'm going to call them friends but who are those people that are going to help us and who are those people that aren't going to help us yeah the relationships yes yeah and and and, and it's not it's not just who's going to Who's going to bring another tank over? And it's much more subtle than that. Uh, but how how are the how are the 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 products that are produced? How are the processes that are used? 
how are the the politics and the strategies of the marketing and the selling uh connecting how how can all of that sort of be fit together where 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 does this jigsaw puzzle piece actually fit the best you know and i understand that some of those puzzles you need a hammer to kind of get them to fit together but sometimes they they they'll that hammers what what you need mm -hmm. i just you said it very well because there is a cost you know even when 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 globalization was happening if you look at that there were relationships were being built jobs were shifting so mostly the developed economies became so rooted into knowledge based economy and uh, uh, it almost appeared as if the manual jobs were meant for poor or developing countries but anyway it was good because the inequality and poverty all were getting addressed and the the upcoming nations benefited from it even if the developed nations became knowledge economy they are also prospering uh, when i say prospering yes we had issues there also like the rust belt of america where all the industry moved now you can't make some of the workers there a knowledge worker overnight and you can't have somebody working in the shop and then in, in the morning and the evening he starts doing coding <laughs> not possible but but that had societal impacts and that that changed their political lean also yeah, and yeah. they started thinking differently they started uh, <clears throat> affecting uh, the the politics of countries and in in states also some of the smaller states but now if you look at it suppose it moved to these other geographies the good part which these large democracies which are mostly developed nations were doing was they were kind of creating a growth on those underdeveloped countries namely let's pick up the largest factory of the world china <clears throat> 40 years of economic growth coming through learnings from the democracies of the world united states probably was the number one then all of europe they did it but still it's a closed regime we still believe in the communism there still the 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 freedom of expression many other things to the people of that country is not available so in a way uh, what i'm trying to relate is globalization yes there is an impact it is getting rebooted as you very correctly explained how changes have come in it now it is so deep rooted connectivity technology is not going to go away because everything is so deeply connected but the positive side of globalization before Ukraine war was there are a lot of countries which are developing. And China was the biggest beneficiary. But with, with economic development, there are some geopolitical moves also. Although the China and the people in China saw that they traveled, they gained from the knowledge and the gains of democracies in the past, but it did not affect their political and structure in the society to that impact, that you, you try to come this way. So uh, what we're going to do is a very interesting second session again, JR, thanks for the insight. We'll take a quick short break and we'll continue our discussion after the break.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. Trends in global business are changing all the time. It used to only be worrying about your competitor across the street, but now that competitor may be across the world. On Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business, plus issues and solutions that business leaders face today. Each show is guaranteed to teach you something that you didn't know before about global business. Listen live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice America Business Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You're listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, and um, you're having very enlightening discussion, GR Klein, on today's topic, Is Ukraine War Rebooting Globalization? Thank you, GR. Very interesting insights in first two sessions. I just want to bring in a few other points to our discussion to address in the same flow as you have been explaining how uh, things are moving. So uh, reflecting on what has happened and how the mindset is changing after that, let's relate with U.S. leaves Afghanistan August of last year. They're already in pandemic. COVID is there, but kind of now vaccine is available and all that. And suddenly Russia decides to get into Ukraine. Now the whole world sees it and the government officials in U.S. also made a decision to leave a place. Wherever they have been there, uh, helping to put democracy in place, helping to uh, improve people's life, did so much of investment. Is that what also kind of gave idea to Russia that uh-uh, the chances of anybody from Europe or the NATO coming in here if I did this move are very remote. So maybe I can time it. And as you rightly said in the earlier session, 2014, a pilot was done literally in Crimea, if you look back. And uh, on the national security front, the way the rest of the world is watching things unfold in Ukraine, would it make them think about their own security that address your own security concerns? Germany, for instance, Japan, for instance, so these are developed nations, but they may be thinking we need to have own, our own security apparatus also, because if you're part of NATO, yes, they will defend each other, but there are many other nations which may think they are the blessings from NATO or the hegemon, in this case, the large 
developed countries in uh, in the world. Now let's talk about Vietnam, Taiwan, you know, Malaysia, Singapore, um, Africa, some countries in South America, rest of the countries in Europe who are not part of NATO. Would it trigger their investment in their economy taking a slightly different turn and get more focused than past on building defense capabilities. Because if they start doing it, they may not find equipment available in the market because the producer of equipment, let's say aircraft, missiles, missiles, and, uh, or other things, uh, whatever is needed, armament, is not available like you go to shop and buy it. There are pre-ordering and it takes a lot of time. So that can put economic strain on the countries, especially developing countries that their, their funds, which are more needed for economic development of, or elimination of poverty, will be diverted there. Now, having said that, some countries will gain because they gained that business which was not available to them in the past. So that's one picture. Second is the difficult equation of as there's another variable of uh, people resisting China after, as you mentioned, when Trump put uh, uh, taxes and duties on Chinese goods. Yes, the supply chains are moved. Now, that time the supply chain was moving because of cost effectiveness. Mostly when you look at uh, the place of manufacturing and place of usage of goods across the world in a globalized world. So if, if you are in a developed nation, you went for knowledge economy and you moved manufacturing somewhere else, you did cost benefit analysis. Mostly you're moving for low cost. Now you've got moved for a low cost to a country. Now, because of political situation, say China, uh, this, this situation which has arisen between Ukraine and Russia, a war, and then political leanings, like you're not in the same block or you don't trade with that, that puts another pressure. So let's say in China, if I had my plant and cost-benefit analysis clearly showing it, now I have a political fallout, but I'm, I don't want to deal with them. I move to some other place. But going to some other place, there are different issues comes in. The security issues. Now, when you do the business, there's another cost coming in. Although it will be, it may be equal cost, but the cost of insurance, security, many other things go up. So now your cost will also go up, although you are in the in, in the same product cost uh, structure in, in two develop, developing countries. But the overall cost to you, because of this political upheaval and security concerns, that changes the whole, whole equation. And that also creates inflation because now price will go up. So already a little bit complex situation <clears throat> with China being uh, resisted by certain countries. Now, suddenly other countries also, if you do, it is exactly going into what you talked about, the blocks, that there will be some other blocks coming in where they'll be partnering. There could be some impact on currency because everybody sees now that the first thing uh, which happened was Russia invaded SWIFT system, blocked the payment system. So it is a good tool to use to save people uh, who are being invaded or being attacked. But countries, the people who trade in the world will start thinking about, suppose I get into this situation, what I will do. So that will trigger another methodology of doing business, another mode of payment, and that again exactly feeds into what you mentioned in the earlier section, blocks, 
then they can either do barter system or they do trading in the local currencies. So that opens another avenue. So uh, with this preamble, I'll, I'll let you talk more about the blocks which you're talking about because that is very important. And that probably may be the sign of future. So there'll be globalization, but uh, in a different format now. Well, Mahesh, I, if I were a leader of some country somewhere in the world, I, I would be asking one basic question. And that, and that question is, who are you going to trust? You know, uh, you've got you've got uh, these blocks that are developing. Uh, you've got nations. You've got proximity nations close to you. You've got all different kinds of national agendas. Some more aggressive than other. Some more repressive than other. Uh, you're you're seeing the resurgence of some of those. Uh, some of those conditions that uh, had been on the on the uh, on the mend uh, for uh, you know some of them for half a century. Uh, one of the things that uh, that you see in 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 most countries is that the thing that we would most like to do away with becomes the thing that is most likely to happen. Those, those political inequities, those economic inequities, those wealth inequities, those, those, uh, those barriers uh, to, to connection, barriers to growth, uh, barriers to what I would call tranquility seem to be the result of even some of the best strategic decisions that national leaders have made. And so my question to myself as a we leader is going to be, who are we going to trust? Uh, and, and, and that all begins with uh, what, what, are, what are our priorities? What, what's important to us? And I, I think life is pretty interesting because the same questions that we ask as a country are always the same questions that we ask as an individual. You know, in 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 my case and your case today, uh, we're fortunate to live in a country that, at least in in, in today's world, uh, uh, puts some value on its uh, its citizens, on the people who live here. Uh, no, I, and and I agree. Um, I I will uh, I'll get myself into trouble here. I'm quite sure. But uh, we uh, United States has really never had the political will to really tackle some of the big problems. We just haven't. And and so you you begin to see the same thing happen. Same things happening, not just in the United States, but all over the world. Uh, we we have such an opportunity in a world that is so interactive uh, that 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 we have that we have so much shared um, experience shared uh, uh, connections shared partnerships with that we miss the opportunity to really think about tackling the big issues instead of working on these sort of little things that was, that we spend all of our time on i don't mean to to infer that Russian aggression in the Ukraine is a little thing, but 
it's a thing that takes up a lot of our time and energy. And, and thinking about how to keep that from happening is much, much easier to do before you get into it rather than after it's already started. Right. And so part of that is for this reboot of globalization to have some effect on the thinking process of, of national leaders. You know, uh, and, and and again, I I freely admit that I'm a boomer, you know. I was I was born not much after uh, uh, 1960, 1946, but uh, you know, I, I was born right at the beginning. But uh, we have a different way of looking at things, and we're beginning to see that it may not be as valid in a world that is as interconnected as it is. Um, one thing that we see for example, uh, is that um, we think that the way to solve most of our problems is uh, is to hit it with a big stick. That ought to do it. Uh, in reality, that's really not the way to do it. You look at good leaders around the world. Uh, good leaders around the world have given themselves the authority uh, to try a lot of things. They've given themselves the authority to be able to fail at some things and learn from them and can continue on. The good, the, the good leaders from around the world are always looking at where their trust lies. Not just where can I find trusted people, but how do we build a trusted culture? And that is part of what this sort of ethereal philosophy that I'm beginning to provide here is that we need to be thinking about how we can build cultures that trust each other. How, how, how can we, we've got the technology and we'll have the technology because it's, it's, it's growing a lot faster than our cultural uh, changes are. Mm-hmm. How are we going to, how are we going to build a world where we all can gain value from it. Now, I think if we want to kind of get into futurist thinking here, I think there's a lot of things that are going to happen uh, that are are beyond much of the thinking control of, of most uh, most world leaders. And, and that is that technology is just come, going to come up with ways of doing things that are going to make our old models just plain obsolete. It's just going to happen. I think you, you're very right on that, on that point. I really appreciate that. Uh, um, JR, we'll take a short break and we will continue our discussion in our fourth segment after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. Trends in global business are changing all the time. It used to only be worrying about your competitor across the street, but now that competitor may be across the world. On Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business, plus issues and solutions that business leaders face today. Each show is guaranteed to teach you something that you didn't know before about global business. Listen live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice America Business Channel. Find out what's happening on The Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You're listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. And we have J.R. Klein with us today uh, talking about is Ukraine war rebooting globalization. Yeah, we are in the fourth and the last segment of our show today. Uh, very intriguing points. Uh, very interesting thought process, which makes one think that the impacts of what we are seeing between uh, in Ukraine and Russia has much deeper, much, much deeper impact in the society, the political situation, geopolitics, defensive situation, trade, the type of trade, and and probably uh, may reset the whole, whole world, may not be reset the right word, may trigger the beginning of resetting of the global order. And on the business side, definitely, uh, it is impacting globalization. Now, what are your thought process if these blocks start starting to emerge? Would they be giving preference to each other or they will be open or give the same access to other blocks? But definitely it looks like the block formation is starting. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it looks to me like uh, we're beginning to see some signs of those blocks beginning to develop. And uh, even if we look at... Um, uh, uh, this idea of emerging economies, you see those blocks are almost organic. There's there's countries within these blocks and some some cases, whole bunches of them, a dozen countries that sort of fit this and can it will develop sort of into this trading block. Uh, the, the good news is that uh, we're beginning to see in, in some leaders around the world, we're beginning to see some real changes in the way they think and the way they approach not both governing uh, and and the and strategizing and the way that they're beginning to change uh, their 
their policies that allow for uh, cultural sensitivity uh, internally and externally and ways of being able to connect with other countries, other, other economic uh, blocks. Uh, my, my fear is, is that the old models will die hard. Um, we all we all sort of uh, uh, make our decisions based upon what we listen to, okay? Yeah. Uh, and 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 that's just not an individual axiom. That that's sort of a global axiom too. Um, we we all countries economies seem to make decisions based upon what their priorities are. So you see a country that has a priority that comes out of a, uh, an, an inequality or an, a, a, a diverse economic system where, where uh, they, there's a wealth disparity uh, or whatever. You, be, you, you see that the politics go in one direction. You see leaders that, that think more uh, more inclusively, uh, you can see public policy begin to develop in other areas. Um, uh, my hope is, and uh, where I put my money, <laughs> is in a very, um, probably a very, uh, um, what do I want to say, uh, 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 dramatic uh, saying, and that is that uh, some of us are just going to have to die away because the well, what we're seeing develop in a a new generation of uh, egalitarian almost uh, uh, leaders mm -hmm. is that they think different about business. They think different about business models. It'll be those leaders that are going to be leading not just economies, but they're going to be leading countries. They're going to be leading uh, uh, um, policy blocks. Yeah, that's and, very important when the policy making there and implementing yeah. it. And, 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 and th there has to be a different kind of thinking that that it becomes prevalent in in those who govern leaders who govern uh, that moves away from some of the old ideas of, of of power and what power means and how power uh, is wielded and how what power does and and the and the benefits of power you know, I, I, I play with me just for a second. I know we don't have much time, but what would happen if all of a sudden uh, technology came up with an idea that nobody needed money, everybody could get exactly what they wanted by by uh, by uh, pressing a button on a machine, they could get all the food they wanted to eat, and pressing a button on a machine and get anything they wanted that would make them happy, and and the need for people with power would go away. Right, right, right. That's a good point. What 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 would happen? Mm -hmm. Would you still have people that would try and control that machine? Probably. Yeah. 
probably. That's a good point. Yeah. But I'm I'm going to give you I'm I'm going to finish here, and I'm going to give you one, uh, one book that I think is an essential book for people to take a look at when mm -hmm. we're thinking about this idea of the way leaders think, and 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 how how we have more in common than we we have uh, uh, separation. And it's a book uh, by a lady named uh, Mariana Mazzucato. It's called Mission Economy, A Moonshot Guide to Changing Capitalism. And it's a nice, it's a good book. It's a simple book. It, it, you, you read it and it's very understandable. It's controversial, I'm sure, because it's too true <laughs> you know? that is very true yeah right uh, that that's that's a good recommendation uh, for uh, referring to that book and reading it and jr i must thank you very very insightful sessions today and uh, we are all living in very strange times with pandemic uh, uncertainty uh, mental health issues because what it created so many kind of scares you are confined, can do what you can do. You come out, now you see Russia, Ukraine situation. So <clears throat> crisis after crisis now, um, talk of recession, uh, in, and you're seeing the inflation in part, in, in most part of the world, geopolitical situations changing. So it looks like the world order is changing very fast. And as you rightly said, the one hegemon who could control and get things done earlier, uh, I would say from unipolar world, it's moving to a few more polars there, poles there. So it could be multipolar worlds and, and there could be some economic blocks, as you mentioned, uh, trading themselves internally, efficiently, uh, less use of currency, maybe, maybe some uh, 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 less use of a standard currency. They could find their own way to deal in what currency they do, the one question which comes to my mind, and I leave it the question. So let's say all the big companies are leaving uh, Russia. It could be Apple, Exxon, Boeing, everybody's leaving. Now, if they leave, and this is a response by developed countries, mature democracies, in a way, where they think about people, they think about society. But now there is a vacuum there. Society is used to these products and services. <clears throat> Is there a chance for rest of the developing economies to move in who can provide that product and services that could change the game altogether there? And then they may not follow the same uh, discipline and how to do business and the, the rules around poverty eradication, environmental sustenance, <coughs> sorry, governance, all of it put together. So it'll be very, very, very interesting to see how the future unfolds there. <laughs> But definitely, uh, the world has learned a lesson. <laughs> it's not only uh, of certain society. There's, there are certain societies which have been impacted <laughs> majorly, who are in the middle of it. But everybody has felt that if they were in that situation, what would they do? That will trigger new thought process, new ways of uh, global trading, new ways of securing their future, their borders, the nation states to think about it. So one thing is very clear that even uh, uh, in Europe, which was part of NATO, they may start thinking in the direction of making themselves self-sufficient again. They may, 
uh, although they are part of NATO and other blocs, definitely, as you mentioned, we are wit witnessing end of globalization as we know. But that doesn't mean globalization is ending. As we know, as we have seen in the, in the past, that it gets rebooted, but it continues because technology has brought people so far, so close together. The supply chains are so intertwined. So it will get rebooted and uh, we will have some exciting times as the world gets rebooted along with the climate challenge, which is a separate subject by itself, uh, triggering few other alignments, creating few other opportunities on the global scale uh, to connect and contribute. So uh, thank you, JR. It was a real pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, again, uh, a pleasure to talk with you and just think about all the things that we have yet to talk about. Absolutely. You've been listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We hope you'll tune in for another edition of the program next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a good week.